Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to part three in this series called Energy is the New Currency for the 21st Century. As I said, I'm Sam McCool and welcome to A Higher Branch podcast. Now, before I get cracking with this week's podcast, I just want to remind everyone about an event that we're holding in January called Upgrade Your Life. It's in January 2020 and the theme is vision. So I want to remind all our listeners, um, if you want to know a little bit more about the event, go to UpgradeYourLife2020.com. Have a look at the uh, program and the speakers, but uh, the early bird is running out. So I urge anyone that He's been sitting on the fence trying to decide whether they should come or not. I urge you to make that decision before the early bird runs out. We do have some um, expenses uh, that we need to pay. This is why the um, ticket prices must go up. And also the US dollar is absolutely devastating the Aussie dollar at the moment. Most of our speakers are coming from the US. We have tried to keep the... um, the event a not-for-profit and try to keep the expenses uh, down as much as possible without compromising the fact that it is a five-star venue. We don't want to compromise on food quality and the standards that we um, upheld last year's event. So uh, anyway, enough about that. Um, Also, before I proceed, if you are sitting listening to this at home where you have access to a laptop or your phone or tablet, go to ahigherbranch.com and have a look at the uh, model there, which has all the eight areas of life um, uh, with health in the middle and all the other circles around it. Because in today's podcast, I'm going to be covering uh, and giving you some activities uh, that you should do around those eight areas of life. And today's podcast is about the concept of automation or conserving your energy with systems. Now, I'm a banking and finance lawyer and I'm obsessed with systems and automation because with operational efficiency comes much more time uh, to spend with your family, with your friends, exercising, eating well and enjoying life because life should not just be about work and uh, to do that we need to be totally efficient. Now, efficiency isn't just for the workplace. Efficiency is in your own life. And um, so in the first two podcasts in this series, I talked about uh, physical energy and that was uh, uh, part one in the podcast. In last week's podcast, I talked about how your mental and emotional well-being impacts your physical energy uh, because what we need to realize is that we are innately energetic, which means that we don't have to actually try too hard to have high energy. And why do we need high energy, firstly? Well, with high energy, you can get more done in less time, more sustainably. And that gives you uh, the time and the effort, the attention bandwidth and the energy to spread across all aspects of your life without neglecting any. Because most people, especially in a corporate world, they neglect and have to compromise parts of their life and they save their energy for their work performance because they associate work with making money money with paying off mortgage, paying off mortgage with I'm going to live my life sometime in the future and live happily ever after. And that is a trap for, you know, that is a trap, period. <laughs> so that's um, 
the dark ages of thinking and the 80s and 90s and the noughties, we, we just can't live in that world anymore. We need to not defer our happiness. And so this third podcast is about how do you conserve your energy with systems? How can you automate your life? So podcast one was I gave you six lifestyle changes you need to make. And in last week's podcast, I gave you some other um, changes you need to make when it comes to your mental and emotional well-being. But this third podcast is, okay, how do you actually initiate these changes? How do you automate these changes? How do you make the behavioral change? Because ideas are everywhere. You you might know a lot of stuff, but if it's not implemented, you're not going to see any efficiency in your life. You're not going to have any efficiency gains. And so you need to aim for behavioral change. Let me put it another way. You can have two people, identical people with identical skills, identical energy levels even, and identical goals. But one goes on to achieve that goal and the other one doesn't. I've always been obsessed with that question. Why? Similar people, same goals, one achieves, one doesn't. Is it motivation? No. You'll find out. It's because one of those people has a system uh, for change. They know how to wake up every day and follow a system, whether they're feeling good or not, whether there is ideal conditions or not, whether it's raining or it's sunny, whether they're uh, feeling good or, or not. So, so today I want to take you through some of my ideas on automating your life. And it starts with behavioral change. And I get it. Behavioral change is tough. If you've been doing the same thing day in, day out for years, trying to reverse that takes another system. It's a disruption, right? You need to disrupt that pattern. Just like business has been disrupted at the moment with uh, digital transformation, you need to disrupt that behavioral change. Uh, And I'm going to step you through that. But before I do so, I want to make you feel a little bit better about yourself so you don't dump on um, yourself when you try and change something and you fail. There are three reasons why people give up on, um, on behavioral change. The first mistake they make, and all of us make this mistake, and I've made this mistake in the past, is number one, they rely on motivation. And this is something that David Goggins talks about, you know, repeatedly. And, you know, he, he always has the same message, but he says it in a different way, which makes him so authentic and, uh, and um, makes what he says uh, so penetrating, it penetrates you, because he's absolutely right. He's nailed it. You cannot rely on motivation. What is motivation? Now, how you feel. That's what motivation is. Do I feel like crap today or do I, don't I, right? So don't rely on motivation because motivation goes up and down. Motivation is good to start something, but... It's not, it, don't rely on it to sustain something. That's, that's the difference. So don't rely on motivation when it comes to behavioral change because you're going to wake up one day feeling like crap for whatever reason. You're going to have a sleepless night or you're going to get some bad news or you might lose a friend, lose a job, lose a partner, whatever it is. You need to have the systems in your life so life goes on. The second reason why people... Um, have trouble. The second reason why people give up is old habits are tough to break. So don't be too tough on yourself, right? It's incredibly hard to break old habits because it's like your operating system. How do you reprogram your operating system? You need to replace it with another system. So recognize that bad habits are tough and you do need to replace that operating system. Uh, so if, you, if you've been waking up and uh, doing the same thing 
uh, every day. For example, I don't know, uh, for me, tying, it's more recent bad habit I recognise. I was tying my shoelace in a way that aggravated uh, and hip injury. So I had to reverse that habit. Even though my body was screaming out in pain or giving me niggles saying, hey, don't do this, I was still doing it because it was a bad habit and it's tough to break. So just recognize that. I don't want you to do anything at this stage. Just recognize those first two things. Don't rely on motivation. And two, bad habits are tough to break. The third reason why it's tough is that new habits are tough to maintain. New good habits are tough to maintain because we live in an era where good habits are defined by delayed gratification. What I mean by that is that, well, firstly, what, who and what determines what is a bad habit or a good habit? right? A good habit in our modern day society is defined by something that improves your life in the future. And so bad habits are associated with instant gratification, i.e. Um, I'm going to eat that uh, you know, chocolate cake or I'm going to eat this junk food because it's going to make me feel good right now. A good habit is, no, I'm actually going to stop make good food you know, chop up some fruit salad, sprinkle some seeds and nuts, and that will look after my health in the future. So good habits are associated with delayed gratification. Good habit is saving money, for example. You look at people that are wealthy, they save now for delayed gratification later. They have freedom in later life. A bad habit is someone who spends their money now, right? And they feel good now, but later it's, it doesn't serve them. Uh, so that to me is the difference between a bad habit and a good habit. Bad habit, instant gratification. Good habit is delayed gratification. So let's move on to the two steps to behavioral change. And this is a system that I use and it works for me. There's plenty of other systems out there. But if this resonates with you, then um, please adopt it, try it. And it's it's designed to make it easier for you to make changes in your daily behavior. So my approach to behavioral change is firstly, step one involves identity change. What does that mean? And what does that look like? Okay. When people sit down to write their goals and dreams, you know, goals live in the head, dreams live in the heart. Goals engage your thoughts, dreams engage your emotions. And it's a combination of the two that makes it powerful. But when most people sit down to write down their goals and their dreams, instead of focusing on identity change, in other words, who they want to become, they start writing down what they want to achieve or how they want to achieve it. So what they want to achieve is outcome-based. In other words, uh, I want to achieve a six-pack or I want, to, um, uh, I want to run a marathon in you know, under four hours. That's, that's called an outcome-based goal. And th- that is not where identity change happens. Uh, most people live with outcome-based goals. And there is a problem with that. And I'll go through that in a second and why that fails. The, the second thing they do with goals and dreams is they might have process-based goals. So in other words, how do I achieve it? So it could be they might write down something like, I'm going to go to the gym every day at five o'clock. That is a process-based goal. That does not lead to behavioral change. And um, it's only when you ask yourself, who do I want to become? Okay, so many years ago, I wrote down an identity change and I wrote down, I want to become a runner. I did not say, I want to you know, run every second day for five kilometers. I want to run a marathon. And I just said, I wanted to become a runner. 
And so what that what that does is now you start identifying with that goal. It's who you want to become rather than what you want to achieve. You see, with when you have outcome-based goals or process-based goals, these are the problems with those. One is that goals cause you to defer your happiness once you achieve that result. In other words, when you ask yourself, when you tell yourself, uh, "I'm," you know, "I want to uh, achieve that particular goal," you're subconsciously saying, "I'm deferring my happiness once I achieve that result." To the goal can cause unhappiness if you fail to achieve the result, if you fail it, at it. And this is where most people you know, fall into that trap. They fail and say, well, this isn't, I, I, this isn't for me, and they don't persist with that. The third thing is that goal-orientated mindset causes a yo-yo effect. You default back to old habits after you achieve the, the goal. In other words, that example I used earlier of someone who says, I want to run a marathon in four hours – what happens after they run that marathon in four hours? A lot of people who have outcome-defined goals end up then quitting after that. They say, I've achieved it. And when you have identity-based goals, you don't stop. So when, my, when I had a goal of being a runner, now, when I started running, I was 12 kilos heavier than what I was now. I would run 300 meters and then I would puff out and then I'd walk for another few hundred meters. And then slowly over time, every day, because it's who I wanted to become, not what I wanted to achieve or how I wanted to achieve it. So every, every time I'd run, I'd run a little bit further because I wanted to become a runner. Now, I recall having this surreal moment two years later when I ran my first half marathon in 96 minutes. I remember crossing that finish line and looking back on my old self thinking, how on earth did I get here? I could not even run around the block, let alone run a half marathon. And... Again, it's not about achieving outcomes. It's about becoming who you want to become. So if you are on the Higher Branch website and if you have a look at that model of the eight areas of life, one activity that I want you to take away, which is super powerful, and I do this with one on, in my one-on-one coaching with people, sit down and write for each area of, uh, of your life out of those eight areas, writ, sit down and write down uh, the answer to this question, who do I want to become in the area of love and relationships? What type of partner do I want to become? And secondly, if once you defined, define who you want to become in that, then you can go to the second step of, okay, what type of person who achieves that identity, how do they live? What actions do they take every day? You know, do they write little love notes for their partner? Does it, do they send them text messages telling them, uh, you know, what they love about them on a daily basis? The second area is uh, family. Who do you want to become as a parent, as a brother, as a sister? And define, is it a, a person that's supportive, gives unconditional love, a person that listens uh, without distraction? Define who do you want to become and once you define who do you want, want to become, a beautiful thing happens in your mind. The process of becoming and how uh, the proce- uh, how you become that, that just becomes clear. You start getting clarity and the minds start seeking out the how and the what. But first, you need to start with the who. Who do you want to become? So cycling through those eight areas, the next area is work. And that's work is important for fulfillment. Who do you want to become as a colleague, as a leader, as a boss, as a manager, as a founder? Define who do you want to become. 
Do you want to be an inspirational leader? What type of person is an inspirational leader? How do they behave? What do they do when they walk into the office? Do they go around meet, uh, greeting everyone? Are they always smiling? Do they keep cool and calm under pressure? See, this is how you carefully craft an identity and then suddenly you'll find that your behaviours change in accordance with that identity. It can't help but change. So cycling through those eight areas, the next area is friendship. Friendship designates belonging, a sense of belonging. We have a deep sense of belonging as humans. So what type of friend do you want to become? Define that. The next area is learning. Learning represents growth. Without learning, continuous learning, there is no growth. And you might be asking, learning what? Well, look at the eight areas of life. You should be reading books on each of those areas, how to become a better friend, a better colleague. What do you need to learn at work? Is it digital transformation? Is it the latest software? Is it leadership skills? When it comes to family, you might have a a child that's becoming a teenager. Read books on how to become a parent to a teenager. So what is learning? What should you be learning? Anything in those eight areas of life. Most people, you know, learn about health and fitness, but I urge you to learn to become a better partner, a better parent, a better work colleague, a better friend. Also, when it comes to the remaining two areas of life, wealth and charity, well, learn how to grow your wealth. How do you invest in real estate? How do you invest in shares? Learning is a constant. It's a daily ritual. It's, uh, and I'm going to talk about the system of the four rituals, five habits, and six life hacks in future podcasts. And I will give you a summary of them at the end of this podcast. Uh, the next yeah, area is wealth. Wealth represents freedom. It is an important element out of those eight elements of our life. Well, who do you want to become? in the area of wealth? How do you want to define your wealth? Uh, What type of life do you want to live? Do you want to do things when you want, how you want, whenever you want? Also, the last element is charity. Charity represents contribution. Making a a contribution to others fills a a very deep mental, emotional and spiritual need. And and it's an element of uh, those eight elements that should not be uh, neglected. And so ask yourself, what type of charitable member of society that you, who do you want to become? I hope you do look up that uh, model. And at the end of this podcast, if you want some uh, slides that will help you follow this podcast or remember some of the things I'm speaking about, please email me. I noticed a few of you emailed me with my last two podcasts and I happily shared these slides. I I like to share my information freely and gratuitously because um, I believe that if you stop sharing ideas, they stop flowing. <laughs> so um, it's just a personal philosophy of mine. And I love to see others um, grow and develop. One of the biggest tragedies and one of the reasons why I became a lawyer is because I, I, it really saddened me to see people living well, you know, well within their, um, their uh, intellectual and, and uh, physical capabilities and capacities. Anyway, I uh, digress. So the first, um, just to recap, so the the two steps to behavioral change, number one, I discussed identity, and number two is the power of habits and the use of the subconscious. Now, before I get into the power of habits and uh, the power of the subconscious, rather, to sow new habits that will uh, put you on the path for behavioral change, I just want to read out this quote from my next book, And I write, it's not you, it's your systems. You do not rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. And that's just such a powerful quote. And when I say systems, I'm obviously talking about 
your daily habits. Now, I've read so many books on this and um, one book by BJ Fogg, Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is an amazing book. Uh, And over the years, I've read a a few others. And so uh, I I just want to give you my personal take on habits and that I do urge you to um, read those books because whatever I'm saying now is basically my own take on what I've read in those books. So the question is, how do you infuse new good habits? Now, research shows that it takes two lunar cycles or two months to sow a new habit. And in the past, I've heard people say it takes 21 days to sow a new habit. And uh, that's certainly what's been written in the um Uh, in the literature about habits over the years. But I want to qualify it from my own experience of trying to infuse new good habits. The the length of time it takes depends on how tough this new habit is. Okay, so if one of your new habits is to wake up at 5am and run you know, 14 kilometers every morning. Now that's pretty tough. So I think those tough habits that have I've infused has taken me longer uh, to cross what science calls the line of automaticity. The line of automaticity is this. It's when something goes from the conscious mind into the subconscious. And this is what I mean by automation. The subconscious is there to do the things that should be done just automatically without you thinking, like brushing your teeth, tying your shoelaces, you know, opening the door, uh, making your smoothie in the morning. A, a lot of things that you repeat, uh, habits become part of the subconscious. And that's important because you don't want to spend all your attention bandwidth you know, during the day doing simple things because we need to save the conscious mind for important tasks. So you'll find that people who are ultra successful, they infuse a lot of good habits into their subconscious and uh, once it crosses a line of you know of automaticity that frees up so much attention bandwidth in their conscious mind to focus on learning unlearning relearning creating innovating reviewing reflecting and mindfulness and that's That's when you start creating incredible business uh, ideas, whether it's writing books or uh, writing blogs or uh, restructuring your business or coming up with new business ideas or marketing campaigns. You need to save the conscious mind for that. So, So I want you to know that there is no magic number when it comes to sewing Uh, new habits Uh, depends on the intensity and the frequency so the more you repeat something the quicker it will become part of uh, your subconscious so if something is really important to you just repeat it the frequency if you want to like stretch throughout the day then you know don't stretch twice a day stretch on the hour every hour the more you repeat that uh, new behavior the quicker you will go to, to get to that line of automaticity so i hope it makes sense so the, the question is a lot of people ask me in the period where uh, it's still in the conscious and you're trying to cross the line of automaticity to the subconscious do you need willpower yes you do during this period. And that's why listening to people like David Goggins or Jim Quick or any of your favorite, you know, um, inspirational, motivational teachers does help you during this time. You know, I'm a lot of people will know I'm anti-motivation, but motivation's good. Uh, it's, it's like an anti-inflammatory, right? You need it sometimes for a short period to get you back on track. But once you're on track, you don't need motivation. But during this period where you are 
trying to sow a new habit, you need willpower. So focus on the frequency and also, you know, watch motivational talks um, from your from people that you admire, the people that you can really connect with. And one of those people for me definitely is David Goggins. Um, uh, you know, yes, you know, uh, a lot of people said, oh, he's American, you know, he's... Um, our Aussies are not going to uh, really get David Goggins, but if you really listen to David, his message is universal. His energy comes from a, a pure sense of honesty that is very rare, and you know I haven't seen um, uh, for a long, long time. So please do use people for willpower people that you admire, people like David Goggins. And I digress a little bit. If you have not listened to his book, please listen to his book called Can't Hurt Me. Absolute game changer. Uh, You will find that will boost your willpower to a level uh, where you will crash through any obstacle, mental or emotional obstacle that you're you're going through. The second question for sowing new habits is, do you need energy? And this is why I covered in my first two podcasts, the physical lifestyle changes and the mental and emotional techniques you need to use to boost energy and then preserve energy. And it's because you do need energy for willpower. You do need energy to sow new habits when you're going through this early period where you're trying to make change. Why is energy important to your willpower? Let me tell you this. There's a, if you draw a graph, there's a direct correlation between your physical energy and your motivation. When your energy dips, your physical energy, what happens to your motivation? or enthusiasm, it dips as well. I've witnessed that in the workplace. You know, whenever someone new starts with us, their enthusiasm is really high. Then if they start, you know, working too many hours, not eating enough, not getting enough sunshine, not getting good sleep, the energy dips. And before you know it, so does their enthusiasm. So you need to work on your energy at the same time when you're trying to sow new habits because with high energy comes the enthusiasm and the willpower to keep going forward. And um, I I forget who said this. I I listened to this in a podcast when it comes to uh, uh, sowing new habits. I think he or she said, at first it's hard when you start. In the middle it's messy, but then in the end it becomes easy. And speaking from experience, I've got some... Uh, habits now that I do religiously without thinking every day that, you know, years ago I'd consider extremely tough. But now it's easy because I'm in cruise control. It's in the subconscious. I'm wired to show up. And that is where you need to be living. You need to sow as many good habits as possible in your daily life in those eight areas. Always remember to go back to that model that I referred to on our website, ahigherbranch.com, because that should be your, your North Star. That should be your, your, your roadmap. So when you say, what habits do I need to sow? Okay, it's in those eight areas. So you cycle through them in the area of health. Physical health, for example, what diet, you know, what things should I be eating? What exercise? What's my sleeping pattern? Uh, So, for example, I used to always sleep too late, but now I've used the system that I'm talking about to start going to bed at 9.30. I've set an alarm clock. Most people set an alarm clock to wake. I set an alarm clock to go to sleep. And uh, so now that's just become part of my routine. Anyway, I think I've, I've made the point, but cycle through those eight areas and then write down the habits you want to sow in each of those areas. Earlier, you wrote down who do you want to become in each of those areas. Well, the next step is what habits, what changes, new things you need to do to become uh, that identity that you seek. And I, I promise you, if you follow the system and 
work on it just as religiously as you would have worked at school or at university. You know, we we work so hard on trigonometry and Shakespeare, uh, you know, or, or law or accounting or medicine or whatever it is. Put the same effort into your life. How much more important is your life than what you do? What you do is not who you are. It's what you do. Now, before I go on to give you a summary of the four daily rituals, five uh, habits, and the six life hacks, I want to make this particular point that a lot of people give up on new habits because they become boring. So they're addicted to the thrill of starting something. And then once you start uh, sowing this new habit, it doesn't become as thrilling because that's human nature. And it's meant to become boring because once it goes from the conscious mind to the subconscious, it becomes right something that you don't even think about or feel through. But most people are addicted to the highs and lows in emotionally. So when something becomes boring, they misinterpret that as a need for change. Don't. If you eat the same healthy food and it becomes boring, it's meant to become boring. If you run, you know, 14 kilometers every day or seven or five and you think it's becoming boring, it's meant to become boring because that when it becomes boring, it means that's when you're nearing mastery. Then the next thing to do is just incrementally improve on that to make it less boring. But if it does become boring, you're on the right path because, as I said, it's meant to then the things that don't, uh, that are not boring, that um, uh, should excite you, are things that are occupying your conscious mind. Uh, so it could be uh, cycling through the eight areas of life. Okay, what new software can I implement in my business? Or what new book can I read? Or what what new date can I take my partner on? Or what new activity can I do with my children? It's those new things that are aligned to your identity that. Is, uh, that should be exciting. But once they become boring, you're on the right track. And it's your chance then to pivot by adding to them, by stacking them with new things. Not it's, It should not be your cue to say, oh, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to you know, run anymore. I'm going to stop going on dates or just try different dates, uh, run a different way. You can keep things exciting by doing, doing it differently, but don't stop doing it. Okay, so what are the four essential rituals and look i'm trying to keep this podcast as short as possible for your uh, commute so i have a system for change called the 456 system now i want to take you through and introduce you to my system for change i call the 456 system and this is something that this is a model that i've created for myself I've uh, actually coached from and it works for a lot of people. And I only share stuff with you that absolutely works because I have the anecdotal evidence to show it. And it's very, very simple. It's called the 456 system because it's based on four daily rituals, five habits and six life hacks. And it's you can use this particular system to work on those things that I mentioned earlier, to work on the identity that you want to achieve of who do you want to become. And the beauty about this system, and once you use the um, the power of habits that I mentioned earlier and the way to uh, sow habits using um, uh, high energy and willpower, then you'll find that this, this system is ultra powerful. So Okay, let me uh, first introduce you to the four essential daily rituals. And you need to start with the rituals. A lot of people ask me, what's the difference between a ritual and a habit? Okay, so 
For me, a ritual is something that you do every day at the same time. And habits is something that you do throughout the day, uh, situationally and or as the need arises. But for me, I've learned that new habits and, and life hacks are very difficult to implement without stacking them on top of these four essential daily rituals. And three in particular. And I use these daily rituals in the morning and at night uh, as like two bookends, if you like. I've listed four essential daily rituals, but there's three that uh, I want to introduce to you that must be done in the morning and at night. And then, as I said, in between, sandwiched in between those two bookends are the five habits and the six life hacks that will revolutionize your daily behaviors. Absolutely. So what are those uh, three uh, essential daily rituals. The fourth one I'm, gonna, I'm going to get to, uh, and it is a daily ritual, but let's look at the, um, the morning. So I do these three uh, rituals. Uh, three of them take 10 minutes each, 10 to 20 minutes each. So they either take me 30 minutes to do in the morning or 60 minutes and the same for the evening. And I know that sounds like a long time, but for me, that is absolutely critical to fuel my physical energy, mental clarity, and emotional uh, solidity. So it's like filling up petrol. It's like fine tuning or, or tuning yourself before you take on the world. And the, so those three rituals, and I've touched on this in previous podcasts, the first one is movement. As soon as I wake up, I, I actually hit the pavement or I go uh, on the treadmill, or I do a, a Tabata routine where you know I might do squats or push-ups or burpees, whatever. Movement is critical. And if you do movement outside, it's even better uh, first thing in the morning. And I typically wake up at sunrise. So if the sun rises at uh, 5 a.m., I'll be up at 5 a.m. If the sun rises in winter at 6.30 a.m. or 7 a.m., I'll wake up at that time. You need to go with your body clock. There is no fixed time. Remember, the clock is a human construct. The rhythm of the sun, uh, the rhythm of night and day is a natural uh, construct. And um, uh, so we need to respect that uh, that um, rhythm between the night and day, the sun and the moon. So movement is critical to, um, it's critical for you to actually respect the fact that your body is producing cortisol and adrenaline to wake you up. Your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, and you need to move. Now, it could be high intensity, it could be low intensity, it could be yoga. It's critical you do that first. So I do 10 to 20 minutes in the morning. On weekends, it would be longer because I have more time. Uh, so for example, on Saturday morning, I might go for an hour jog. After movement, the second ritual is meditation. And meditation is detox for the mind. And the morning meditation for me is all about visualization, visualizing all my goals and dreams in those eight areas and visualizing what do I want to achieve in those eight areas for the day, for the day ahead. So for me, meditation in the morning is all about visualization. And a lot of the time, a smile comes on my face as I'm visualizing and meditating. Why? Because I'm visualizing my best day. If you look at some of the athletes before they kick a goal or do the high jump, whatever it is, you notice they they look at what they're doing, they're visualizing it, and they start smiling. I don't know. I'm, I'm an NRL fan. I remember 
Jonathan Thurston or um, a few others would smile just before they kick a goal. Why is that? A lot of people would say, geez, that's weird. Why are they smiling? It's because they visualise kicking the goal and celebrating with their friends. They've already done it. In their mind, it's already happened. And the mind does not know the difference and the body feels what the mind is experiencing. So morning meditation is visualizing. Again, this isn't textbook meditation because so many people do different types of meditation, but I'm just telling you what works for me uh, based on the system that I've developed. I don't believe that meditation should all be about relaxation. That to me is nightly meditation. But in the morning, it's about what kind of day do you want to have? Visualize your interactions with your colleagues, with your partner, with your uh, kids, if you have kids, with your friends. Cycle through the eight areas of life, and that's what your meditation should be all about. And the third ritual after that, and this is why it needs to flow in that sequence, the third ritual is journaling, because after meditation, I have so much clarity that I sit down straight after I wake up and I start writing profusely in my journal, what do I want to, my action items for the day, because it comes to me during that visualization meditation. So, What type of things do do you journal? Well, it's your to-do list. So in the area of, say, love and relationships or in the area of uh, parenting, uh, family and parenting, I would write down what I'm going to do with my kids. It might be a phone call to um, my uh, kids, uh, one of my kids who's now left and uh, left home and is living. Uh, So anyone that's not living with you, you've got to make an effort. Now, if you don't write it down, how are you going to remember, right? So journaling is is all about that. It might be writing down, send a text message to your wife, you know, scheduling a date. So I cycle through the eight areas of life and I write down the to-do list in those eight areas. What I'm going to eat for the day, what friends am I going to connect with? Am I, uh, when it comes to wealth, am I going to review my uh, portfolio? When it comes to parenting, what am I going to do with my kids, with a relationship with my wife? What am I going to do uh, with my wife for that day? It doesn't have to be you know, a date every time. It could be just reading a book together or it could be giving each other a massage or just writing a beautiful text or a little love note. If it's not, if you're not living consciously, this is, this is what I call living consciously. And that's why you'll notice that I always sign off my podcast with live consciously because if you're not living consciously, you're, you're just like a rudderless boat. You're just bobbing on the ocean, going with wherever life is taking you. And it's just not the way to live. So living consciously starts with these four rituals, five habits and six life hacks. And the four rituals is absolutely critical. It's the base of your pyramid. It's the foundation. Without these four rituals, it's virtually impossible to sow the new habits and the six life hacks that I'm going to talk to you about probably in a a future podcast. So repeating those three rituals, movement, meditation and journaling in that order. Why is it in that order? If you try and meditate without first exercising when you first wake up in the morning, it's very difficult to calm your body and to calm the mind because you need to neutralize that cortisol and that adrenaline that's surging through. We are wired to wake up, hunt and gather and actually move. And you'll find how you know, for those of you listening, if you last time you've worked out either in a high intensity or a jog or a swim or a cycle, how do you feel after it? Your body is completely in a relaxed state. It's like the uh, what um, Tom Sullivan in his book, A Still Mind, you know, it's like a lake that was once agitated and it's now like a glass mirror. It's just calmed. And you need to be in that state for meditation to be effective and you need to be in that state post-meditation to be able to journal with clarity. 
it's very difficult to meditate and journal if you're experiencing the monkey brain because your body is just wired. It just wants to, it just wants to uh, run. It wants to swim. It wants to cycle. So make sure you repeat those rituals in that order. So before I talk about the fourth ritual, let's look at these three rituals at night. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I bookend them. The, the nightly ritual of movement, uh, again, you know, at the end of the day, what happens, especially if you're a corporate person or working in an office, you build up a lot of tension in your body throughout the day. And yes, walking around helps. Yes, stretching helps. Yes, having a massage, quick massage uh, helps. Yes, getting some sunshine. But before you actually have a dinner, this is what I do. I do it before dinner, but some of you can actually do it after dinner. It's it's absolutely you know powerful to neutralize that uh, tension built up in your body through movement, then meditation and journaling again. So what does movement look like for me at the end of the day? For me, it's not intense, especially if it's late. If you have an intense exercise routine, then you're going to have trouble falling asleep. It's just going to stimulate too much energy. And by that time of the day, you don't want cortisol to be spiking. You want it to be going in the opposite direction. So for, for some of you, it could be just a, you know, a walk for 20 minutes. Um, now, for me, it would be a light jog or a swim. Or it could be doing some um, calisthenics like push-ups or pull-ups, but in a uh, not an intense state. It could be slow. So just reduce the intensity of what you do. The two variables that you can control uh, is you know how much weight you're lifting and the speed in which you're doing it. So if you reduce the weight, reduce the speed, then it's not uh, it's not going to really hype your body up for sleep. But the beautiful thing about movement, again, later in the day, it neutralizes all those stress hormones that build up. Because it's not natural what we do. Our work environments are not natural for our bodies. So we need to bookend them with these you know, three rituals. So what now the second ritual at night uh, or PM is the, the meditation again, straight after movement. What does that look like for me? Obviously, it can't be visualization meditation because just like high intensity movement, if I start visualizing what I'm going to do for the next day, then my visualization is going to hype me up. Suddenly, I'll be writing things in my journal to do for the next day. And that's just going to hype me up too much. And it'll probably prompt me to make a phone call or send an email. And before you know it, I've actually now reset my body to start it like it's starting in the morning again and you can't do that you need to your meditation now should be relaxation meditation and uh, what does that look like so you know tom sullivan and mark bunn talked about this in previous podcasts and i urge you listen to those podcasts you know it's uh, because they have some amazing techniques but the technique that works for me is called pranayama where i just focus on the breath that's all I focus on. And that is, it could be lying down or it could be sitting. I prefer lying down. You don't always have to be sitting for meditation. And simply put one hand on the stomach and one hand on the chest, any hand, and focus on the breath coming in and out of your nostrils or your hands rising and falling. And remember, the diaphragmatic breathing is critical. So your, your stomach should be rising when you're breathing in and falling when you're breathing out. Um, and uh, if you want to know the, the health benefits of that, listen to Mark Bunn's uh, podcast, which is due out next week. Uh, we spend a long time on breathing 
and meditation uh, again. And look, breathing does not sound as sexy as you know starting a new diet or a new exercise, but it's much more powerful. So don't dismiss the simplicity of breathing as not terribly exciting. So I'm not going to listen to a podcast like that. There is an art form to breathing properly that we have forgotten. So listen to that podcast due out next week with myself and Mark Bunn. So meditation, as I said, PM is relaxation and you'll find your blood pressure drops, everything just calms. And then, you know, when you come out of the meditation, I journal. But now what what I journal is I don't journal about what I'm going to do for the day. I journal about what happened in the day. And this is, these are the, the things that you should journal and And one of them is a technique that nobody uses. Very little people I know have come across this. Most people will journal what they're grateful for in the day. So what things have happened in the day that they should be grateful for. And it's ultra powerful. I talked about that in my last podcast. But the second thing you should journal, very powerful, is what achievements have you had in the day? A lot of us these days are just too hard on ourselves and we forget how much we achieve because we live in this era where overachievement is the new norm so if you don't and you forget what you have achieved even the little things and uh, so when you journal in the morning what to do in the eight areas of life and then the evening go back and say well what did i do what achievements did i have did i send that text message to my partner did i help that new colleague at work to tick the you know the, the charity circle in the eight areas of life did i call my stockbroker what did i do that's an achievement right? A lot of us, as I said, forget what we, what we achieve. And trust me, when you sit down and list your achievements for the day, you will actually, it will put a smile on your face. You'll feel a lot better about, your, fa- uh, about your, um, your life. You'll also go into this sense of calm where you're not feeling so overwhelmed and you, you have this fear of missing out that you should be doing something that other people are doing out there. Don't. Don't be that hard on yourself. You achieve a lot more than what you give yourself credit for. Believe me, I was an overachiever. And now when I list my achievements for the day, I close that journal. I say, that's it. The day is done. Sam, you've achieved a lot for the day. So that's why it's critical to bookend you know, the, your day, morning and night with those three rituals. As I said, and sandwiched in between, and I'll talk about that next week, is your habits and life hacks. And together, the rituals, habits, and life hacks is what's going to replace your operating system, your current operating system, infuse behavioral change, and then you will become the identity that you become consciously. Now you are in control. Now you are in control. Okay, before I sign off for this podcast, the fourth ritual that I infuse into my day daily, and it comes after journaling in the morning, and that is on the drive to work, I'm always listening to audiobooks and podcasts wherever I'm driving, on a, on a train, on a plane, in my car, I'm always listening and learning. And that is a critical ritual because you need new knowledge. With new knowledge, it helps you to pivot and say, well, I've been doing this amazing new habit, but I've just learned something new and I can actually take it to the next level, improve on it. Because information is changing rapidly, my friends, and we need to stay in touch. The days of listening to dribble on radio or just watching things on television mindlessly, 
you need to scrap that. And I say that with the utmost of respect because I used to do that as well. Don't be too cheap with your time. Use that dead time to learn and keep learning. So I also do the same thing when I'm on the way home in the PM. I'm listening to podcasts and listening to audio books. So learning is that fourth ritual that you need in that foundation of that pyramid of the four rituals, five habits and six life hacks. I think that's it for this week's podcast. I have nothing further to um, share with you guys. I hope it's been of um, benefit. Actually, there is one more thing. Okay, Uh, I thought there was something that was bothering me and I thought I, I wanted to leave you with this. And it's based on a podcast I wrote a few years ago and it's called Uh, not a podcast, sorry, a blog. It was based on a blog I wrote many years ago that I come back to time and time again. It's actually in one of the chapters of my book called Guide to Greatness. Incidentally, if you want a copy of that book, you can download a free copy from ahigherbranch.com or you can purchase if you you like the paperback version on ahigherbranch.com. But uh, this last message I want to leave you with is critical because this is where most people fall over. This is why I've noticed, and it's the biggest heartbreak for me, because I see people driving identity change, infusing new habits, and they're sowing new rituals, new habits, and new life hacks, and they're on the path, and they don't see much change. And then they just give up. They think, well, nothing's happening. You know, my relationship's not improving. My body's not changing shape. I still feel like crap, or I still have that niggle in my Uh, knee or whatever it is so I'm going to give up that diet or you know uh, I'm going to stop working as hard at at work because no one's noticing so I want to remind you of the miracle of the bamboo tree now when they first plant the bulb of the bamboo tree beneath the ground beneath the soil you don't see anything for days you don't see anything for weeks you don't see anything for months in fact it takes five years for the, bam- the first shoots of the bamboo tree come through the soil. But as soon as it shoots through the soil, the bamboo tree climbs many feet, skyrockets towards the sun within weeks. And I first learned the miracle of the bamboo tree when I read Stephen Covey's book, you know, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, and it's stuck with me to this day. My message to you is this. Your fifth year will come around. It's different for all of us. It's different based on what you are doing, whether it's a new exercise regime or new books you are reading or a new approach to your relationship, you know, uh, or a new approach to parenting or friendships, whatever it is, that fifth year will come around. Don't give up because I see people that give up just before those shoots are coming through, breaking through the soil. And it's the biggest tragedy they experience. So please wait for that fifth year to come around and you'll see an amazing miracle of transformation in your life. And you'll find that your life just starts happening so easily and effortlessly, even when it's tough. That sounds like a contradiction, but if you listen to people like David Goggins or read his book and attend our event called Upgrade Your Life, you'll know exactly what I mean. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. Thank you very much for honoring me with your time. And until next time, live consciously, my friends.